Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless. Thank you guys so, so much for being here today. It's a blessing to have you here. We're so privileged. Our senior pastor, Danny Rivers, is an overseer um, for Acacia Church over in Louisiana. So he's, gonna, he's there right now. Um, they kind of check on the health, make sure everything's going well. And he's also gets the privilege to speak there today. So um, he's away, but we're going to have a good time. Uh, we are in a series right now. This is the third week um, called Chain Breaker. And if you've missed the last two weeks, do yourself a favor. Go back. Check them out. It's, it's been fun. It's been powerful. Um, there's some great content, some great information to help change our lives. And what we have been tackling throughout this series is that so many of us live oppressed lives, right? That, that when we really get down to it, a lot of us aren't living our best life, the life that, that, that we believe that God created for us to live. And so what we've explored thus far is, is that all of us have undertaken some kind of faith journey. That we've all, we all believe in something and it's backed by, by science, by, by experience, um, but by, by religion. And, and it helps shape and inform our lives. And we've placed our faith into something or someone. And so what we stated is that faith is revealed in our moments of doubts, in our moments of struggling, in our, in our low moments of life. When we turn to help something find, help us find hope, um, from what we're dealing with, what we're struggling with. And so at its kind of a, a, atomic level, when we break down faith, the very foundation of faith is understanding that faith is a belief in a hope that is yet to be realized. That when we really look at faith, when we really boil it down, this is kind of the underlying foundation. And kind of a simple, really lighthearted way to kind of understand this is that when we get sick, right, we take medicine to make us feel better. Right? If you have allergies, you know you're popping some Claritin day to day or Allegra. Right? And, and here's, here's what we believe, that our hope that we've placed in medicine, becomes that, that, that faith becomes realized, becomes substance when it does its job. When we decide to take action, to put that pill in our mouth, and it does its work, and it helps reaffirm the faith that we've placed in it. So faith becomes substance. And so here's, here's what we're going to kind of try to tackle today. Is, is we want to look at the chains of, of debt. And, and we're going to be walking through some different scenarios here to help kind of tease this idea out. But this is an important conversation for all of us today because whether, whether, whether you're, you're religious or non-religious, agnostic or atheist, right, we all have a faith journey. We've all undertaken some type of a faith journey that, that is backed by what we've experienced, by what we know to be true, by, by what, we've, what we've placed in you know, the intellect of men, and we've, we've decided this is what we're going to believe in times of, of, of trouble. And, and here's the truth, right? When we're really honest with ourselves, we would recognize that we aren't always living our best life. That a lot of us live life shackled to something or someone, and it happens. It's, it's a perpetual cycle that is taking away from us rather than giving life to us. And what we believe today is that real freedom True freedom is found in a relationship rooted in Jesus. And so we've been exploring that idea. And as we kind of tackle the chains of debt today, here's, here's what we need to kind of talk about. Because whenever it comes to money in the church, right, there's, there's, it kind of wakes some people out. And so before we kind of dive into this, there's, there's two things that you have to know today. 
At first, this is going to be a conversation that's, that's designed to help you find freedom. Okay, the church is not looking to get anything from you. We're looking to help you find freedom. We're not going to ask for some special offering or for you to, you know, commit to some tithing thing. That's not what it's about today. The second thing is, is if you got a little tense when we, when we brought up the word debt, then, then you might want to consider something. You might have one of two things. You might actually have a debt problem, or you might have a heart problem. And we're going to explore both of those ideas today. So, Here's the thing, right? It doesn't take long to realize when we do kind of a quick survey through social media, through Google, that we've got a debt problem in America. Like, you don't have to go very far to, to figure that out at all. And, and we have good priorities, right? Like, most people are good people, um, but we have needs, and we kind of express those needs, and, and while we want to help people, we also have a strong desire to, to feel good about our life, to enjoy our life, and so what usually wins is, is us, and the truth is that a lot of times we mistake desires for needs, and then we express our needs in extravagance. And so, so many of us walk away, walk through life feeling strapped down, feeling, feeling, feeling tight, feeling like we're, we don't really have a lot of margin and, and a lot of freedom. And if we would have, if we would to take into consideration what the Bible has to say about this, we would find that, that the Bible recogni recognizes that those of us that enjoy the pleasures of life are going to walk through life feeling this way. Check out what it says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 17. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich because wine doesn't mix well with decisions, <laughs> right? And here's the thing. Because we're overworked, because we're underpaid, because we're unfulfilled, throughout life, money becomes something we use to medicate instead of making a difference. Money becomes something that we use to medicate ourselves instead of making a difference. And so I was kind of exploring debt, and, and I want to show you guys some stats because this is, it's kind of crazy. Um, but our national debt hit $22 trillion for, for the first time this year. Now when I said that, how many of you guys freaked out about it? A few of you, one of you, <laughs> right? And, and here's, here's the thing. It's become so normal for us to talk about debt in our world. And this is what really makes the chain of debt so, so sneaky. Because it's become something that we expect. It's become something that we buy into to help us move our life forward. And it, does, it can be used as a tool, but it can also be used to our demise. And a lot of us aren't taught how to handle it, right? It's kind of trial by fire. And, and, and debt has become so normalized for us in our lives that it's, it's, caught, it's, it's this huge issue. Like, like when we look at the stats, when I was working on this sermon, the debt clock was at 22 trillion, 260 billion, 394 million, 156,503-ish dollars because it was ticking up so fast I couldn't catch a, po a, a spot to stop it at. And when we begin to kind of just break this down, right, right between us, the, 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 uh, an American citizen, that's 67,000. $682 per citizen. Now let's break that out per taxpayer. That's $181,403 per taxpayer. That's a lot of money. More than half of Americans spend more than they earn. And another study that I was looking at stated that even though incomes are on the rise, that the cost of living is actually rising faster. It's moving at a quicker pace. 
that's not going to work out very well for very long. And my question then becomes why? Like, why is debt such a big problem? And so I came across a list of 10 reasons, and I just want to share four of those with you. Uh, the first one that, that, I, that I think is, is really important is we kind of live by this mentality, and we kind of operate by this, whether, whether we want to admit it or not, that monkey see, monkey do. Right now, now, have you ever done this before? Your buddy goes out, and he buys a nice AR, right? We live in Texas, bro. You want one. He goes and gets one, and you want one. And then he gets it colored, desert color, and now you want it desert color. Because why not? Right? Or, or it's like, you know, you and your girlfriends, you know, y'all, she posts on social media, y'all go out, she buys this nice crop top. <laughs> oh, I have to have it too. Oh, girl, I got these new yoga pants. Mmm. Man, they're the softest, bestest thing ever. Why do they call yoga pants yoga pants? Everything about that? Like, they're tights. And they're see-through. So, just saying. Here's, 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 here's the second thing. A lot of us just lack a budget. And lacking a budget means we lack self-awareness. And here's the thing. You, you might make yourself feel better, but like, nah, bro, I, I got a budget. But do you use it? Come on. It just makes you feel good about yourself. Right? And a tool, without using the tool, is a useless tool. It doesn't do anything for you. And here's the third one. And this one's hilarious because I got a great example this week of this one. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Now this week was, May is kind of a birthday month for my entire family. Like all of us were born in May except for my mom. So we, had, we celebrated my sister's birthday on Tuesday. May 2nd, if that was Tuesday. Right? So my grandpa's there. My grandpa's, you know, 70, late 70s, early 80s. Maybe I should know that. Whatever. But he's a diabetic, right? But he loves sugar. Now, how many of you guys know that doesn't mix very well? But it's a birthday, so hey oh, I'm going to enjoy, right? And he's reaching for that brownie, and I'm like, are you sure that's a good thing? And he was like, why not? I'm here today. Might not be tomorrow. <laughs> and then my mom, like, gives him this serious look because she's a nurse. She's like, come on, man. I love you, right? And I'm like, mom, it's okay. Laugh today, cry tomorrow. Laugh because he's alive today. Cry if something happens tomorrow. We'll figure it out then. But we live by this all the time. In all areas of our life, seize the day, seize the moment, carpe diem. And then the fourth thing, and this one is to me, probably the most influential in our lives. And that's that a lot of us just lack happiness. We're unfulfilled with our life. We're not happy with the dreams that failed, the things that crumbled. And so we spend and we buy things to make us feel better. Because let's be honest, it feels pretty good when you buy something, right? It might just be a moment, but that food was good, and that shirt, mm, it looks good on me, right? Money, even for a moment, creates that numbness. Like, like you know, whoever said money doesn't buy happiness didn't have a lot of money, because that's a lie. It sure does. You've been on a vacation, you had a good time, you use money to make that happen. And, and, and here's, here's, here's the thing. that we have to begin to understand. That this, this, isn't like, this isn't just my opinion. I, I came across this article, and this is what it said. It said, many Americans felt spent because they work hard, because we work hard, and seem to feel like they never get ahead. Kathleen Gurney, president of Financial Psychology Corp, said, 
So spending money on treating themselves gives them that momentary lift and good feeling. Debt has become a problem in our culture. And this isn't my opinion today. This is the reality that we live in. And, and it's important to understand today because we're going to be talking about money and, and kind of a term for that is, would be called money management, right? And, and as Christians, what we translate that to is, is actually called stewardship. And, and here's, here's the thing about stewardship, and I'm going to steal this example from Lily Giglio, but my, my main point today is that many of us assume ownership of our money instead of stewardship of our money. Many of us assume ownership of our money instead of stewardship of our money. And there's, there's a big difference here. So let me just kind of break this down. You see, when it comes to our money, what we kind of learned growing up, what, what culture kind of teaches us is that our lives, our things are all about me. Me. This is ownership. That I own all my junk. And the way that this breaks out in our lives is that we first take our money and we live on it. Man, we buy that nice car. We go get that nice steak because steaks are good. We buy a dog because we thought that was a good idea. We realize it wasn't, but we hate cats. You got to take care of the house because your house looks nice on the inside, but on the outside, especially during springtime, those weeds, weed and feed, buy those nice plants, Things got to look good, but oh, wait, we deserve a vacation. But we also want to upgrade that vacation because we deserve the best of the best because I might not be here tomorrow. Then we decide, you know what? All right, we also need to save a little bit. So what do we do? Oh, my boss got that taken care of for me. HR department has my 401k. So let me go back to spending and living a little and then whatever I've got left, I'm going to go ahead and consider, eh, what can I give it to? Because we're all generous people by nature. Most of us have a soft spot for others in some area of our lives, and we want and care to do good. This is a me-centered mentality. But God wants to flip the script on this. You see, God says, hey, Instead of being an owner, you need to understand that I've entrusted this to you. You are now a steward. And God says, you know what? Your life needs to look a little bit different. Your life needs to reflect something else. It's not all about you. It's not all about for you to consume and for, to live. The first responsibility that you have as a Christian is to give of yourself. This isn't just about money. This is about every area and every aspect of our lives. What we're good with, the skills, the talents, the abilities that we bring to the table. How do we partner with God to make a kingdom difference? Then he says, man, you also need to save. Because practically speaking, how many of you have ever had your car break down? A tire bust? The fridge doesn't work. But usually we have two of those anyways. It's a bad example. The washer doesn't work. <laughs> Consumerism. It's America. Let's be real. We need to save for the moments that we know are going to come. 
And then finally, we decide we're going to live on the rest. That when we prioritize and organize our life this way, what ends up happening is that this is a funnel. And when we decide to take ownership of our life, God's blessing is coming through a very small hole. Because we're consuming and doing whatever the heck we want with it, and he can't trust us with it. And what's happening is all of that stuff, all of the money, all of the goodness that we have to bring, it's coming all out the bottom, being wasted and whatever we want. But when we take a God-centered mentality, the hole to receive his blessing is so much bigger. And what we find is that we begin to use the resources in a so much more focused way. Because we begin to trust him and walk in his plan. And he begins to lead us the right way and bring people into our lives that we begin to bless and make a difference. So, what I want to do now is we're going to change this up today a little bit. I'm going to invite Dave Howe to come up on this stage. Come on, guys. Give it up for Dave real quick. Now, Dave is a financial advisor, but I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about himself here. Dave, walk us through uh, financial advising. How long have you been doing that for? I've been a financial advisor for 20 years. Uh, I started studying money. I mentioned this earlier, but I started studying on money issues in the Bible, oh, gee, 43 years ago. Um, that was a long time ago. And then I got serious about it 30 years ago, and then I started actually doing, dealing with it professionally 20 years ago. Now, you've also had a big life change happen, which is? <laughs> yeah, big time. And I, I've got to stand up for this. <laughs> the... Um, this is where I entered when I became a Christian a long time ago, 43 years ago, I became a Christian. This was the way my funnel looked. It was all about me. It was all about us. And I started, I became a Christian. I went to church, and the first thing I discovered is they were teaching me about money and teaching me about stuff that I didn't understand. And my whole purpose in going and getting dedicated and studying about money was so I could prove them wrong. I wanted to prove to them that I knew what I was doing, and God changed me a little bit, <laughs> a lot. Now, I realize that my funnel can take in a lot more this way. I can receive a lot more blessings if I start focusing on it different. It's amazing how that works. It's just, it was a transformation in my life for sure. That's, that's pretty awesome. So, but you also just recently retired. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, I'm now five weeks into retirement, and that's exciting. Five weeks yesterday, and it's... Uh, it's a thrill because now I have more time when I can teach this stuff. That's the technical word for it. We're going to use and abuse you. <laughs> so, Dave, would you just talk to us a little bit then about stewardship? How does that work in your world? What do you, what, can you give us an example of what that looks like? Okay. Um, I use an example. I use the parable of the talents. Matthew, uh, did I say Matthew 25? Uh, and in the New King James Version, it talks about the parable of the talents. In the NIV, it talks about the parable, parable of the bags of gold, but it's all about money. And I'm going to ask, I've asked four people to join me, and I have hand-selected these four. I'm going to be their master this morning, and they're going to be my servants. And they need to remember that. that the, <laughs> they're going to be my servants, but I want to use them because they're going to exemplify what we're trying to get across here this morning. I'm going on a long journey. I'm going away for a good period of time, but I'm going a good distance away, and I need somebody to take care of my stuff, of my money. And a talent is a lot of money. In those days, it was a lot of money. It's a lot more money today. 
not national debt worthy, but it's a lot of money. And I'm going to leave it, I'm going to entrust them with it while I'm gone. That's an important piece of this. I'm entrusting them. Now, I'm entrusting them with a certain amount, and it's different for most of them, and it's different because I know what their abilities are. I know them well, just like they know me as their master. We have a relationship going here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them a certain amount of talents, if you will, and give them responsibility for it when I go away. So I'm going to give it to them, and then I'm going to take off, okay? Everybody familiar with the parable of the talents? Anybody? Okay, good. I'm going to start with Barry. Barry's a pretty capable guy. He's been around the block. He's managed money well. He's done well, and I know him. So I'm going to entrust him with five talents. And that's a lot, but I'm going to entrust him with five talents. So he's going to take care of those five talents and make it work in some way while I'm gone. Right, Barry? Okay, good. So he's gotten five, I've given him five talents. Now, David here, David has a lot of skills as well, but he's, a, he's kind of, he's an artist, so he's really gifted at artwork, but that's not going to do my money any good. So that's a little different, right? So I, I'm not going to give him as much. So what I'm going to do with David, I'm giving him two talents. Now that's not even half as much as I'm giving to Barry, but, so David's going to have two talents he's responsible for. And, <laughs> You're welcome. So he's going to take care of those two talents when I go on my wonderful extended trip. And you're comfortable with that, right? At this point. Now, on the other hand, I'm going to give Hannah over here. Hannah's young. She plays the keyboard. She's a very gifted musician, but she's young. She does not have a lot of experience, hasn't made a lot of money, hasn't put a lot of money to work for her, so I, don't, I, can't, I feel like I can't trust her as, with as much. I can't trust her with as much, so I'm going to give her one talent. And you'll, I can entrust you with one talent. I heard somebody groan out there. <laughs> so Hannah has one talent she's going to be working with. Now this next one I've got to be very careful with because this is also my wife, Susan. <laughs> um, and because I know her, she's been in business for over 20 years, so she knows what she's doing in terms of managing money and people and assets and all kinds of good things. Uh, darn good cook, too, I might add. But bottom line is, I'm going to give Susan five talents because I know what her abilities are. She, I'm going to give her the same as I'm giving to Barry. So you each have five talents now. I'm going away on my journey. I'm not sure how long I'm going to go, be gone, but to get my business done, I've got to go away for a time. Now I come back, and they're going to face the music, I guess. So we're going to talk about what they've done with my money. The first thing I'm going to do is approach the guy I give the money to first, so that would be Barry. Barry, what did you do with your money? Double. So Barry doubled his money. He started with five talents, he's actually doubled it. Now he has ten talents. That's mighty impressive. So he comes to me and is quite proud of that. He's got those five talents, he's really proud of the ten talents, he's proud of it because he's doubled the money and he comes to me and I am really impressed as well. So I tell Barry, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you want to hear that when you get to heaven? How many of you want to hear that when it comes to your money, too? But Barry comes, comes to me and I say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with small things. I'm going to make you, I'm going to bless you in very wonderful ways. I'm really proud of you, Barry. Come on into my house. Join the party. 
we're going to have a great time, but just experience the joy with me. That sounds like a pretty good thing, doesn't it? So that's what Barry, and he's doubled his from five to ten. David here, he started with two. Anybody know how many he ended with? He ended with four. He took two, and he doubled it as well. The interesting thing is, when you read Matthew 25, and I would encourage you to read that later, the, the master rewards or, or makes the exact same statement, not the words I'm using this morning, it's the exact same statement of confirmation and pride that the master says about the guy who doubled from two to four as the one from doubled from five to ten. Important to note that. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on into my house. Join in the party. I'm going to give you a lot more. Experience the joy with us. So welcome, David. That's great. David and Barry and our party and at my house with me. That's kind of a good thing. Hannah. Hannah took... <laughs> she promised she wouldn't cry. <laughs> Hannah took the one talent, and she brought it back to me. And she said, well, Master, I was afraid. I, I, I knew that you to be a hard man, and I was afraid, so I took it out and I buried it in the field, and here's your one talent back. Now, do you think that was the right thing to do? The master said, you should have at least put it in the bank where you could have earned 1%. You should have at least done that. But because you didn't, I'm going to take away what you do have, and I'm giving it to Barry because he was the most successful. I'm going to give it to Barry, and I'm going to throw you out in the darkness, and you're going to be in a place where there's gnashing of teeth. That does not sound like a good place, does it? Now the hard one. Susan, what did you do with your talents? You had five. What did you do with yours? Well, Master, I know that you are a very gracious Master and that you take care of all of our needs. And you gave me those five talents. And I took them and I blew them. <laughs> I went shopping. I got those skinny pants. I got that crop top. <laughs> I got a new ox cart. I got a new oxen. I mean, I got all the new equipment. I even got a new credit card. And here's my IOUs for the rest. Now, that's heavy duty, isn't it? Now, where do you think she ranks with the other three? You think she did better or worse? Worse? I guess it depends on what side of the fence you're on. If you like the skinny pants, you did better. <laughs> she represents most of America today. Most of America today goes out and they get credit and they run things up. Did you know that if you're in college and you take one of those introductory credit cards at a high rate of interest, their goal is to keep you making payments at the minimum rate for over 30 years before you can pay it off. And that's literally what it takes when you're in a high rate of interest. And that happens when you're young and have no record and, and the environment changes. It's not a good thing. Bottom line is, where do you think she's going? You think she's going to go hang out with Hannah where there's gnashing of teeth and in darkness? It's amazing how that works. But God says in the parable of the talents that based on your abilities, 
And again, part of that, remember I mentioned, they're all different. They have different skills, different abilities. I gave to them based on those abilities, and that would be represented by their education level, represented by their skill set, represented by what they've done in life, their experience, and those kinds of things. And I know that about them. That's why I hand-selected them the way that I did. That's why Hannah got the one. She, I wasn't setting her up. I gave her a chance, and now they're feeling the consequences of their behavior. These two are feeling the consequences of their behavior as well. It's a whole different scenario, isn't it? So managing money can be an amazing thing if we manage it right, if we manage it God's way. If we try to manage it our way, we're going to end up we're going to end up going backwards. It will happen if we do not manage it God's way because he can't bless it if we're not managing the way he tells it to tells us to. It's not always about giving, it's about giving it the right way. It's not always about it's always about what we're doing with it. We need to use God's principles to do it. That makes sense? Thank you very much for your participation for doing that. All right, Dave, so let's, let's talk about this then. Where do, you think, where do you think it starts? Where do you think this whole rabbit trail begins? My opinion is like in my life, it started with me when my heart changed. When, when my heart started changing, my heart always wanted to be able to help people and kids, particularly kids and things like that. And I never had the ability because I was always living on the other side with a small funnel at the top. And as soon as that changed, when my heart changed, all of a sudden my passion started to change. When my passion changed, my pattern changed, my behavior changed. And as a result of that, the funnel got wider and wider and God opened up doors and prospered us like I, I could never imagine. And that's where it changes, is with the heart. And when you talk about that, that journey then, I mean, for you, how long do you think that took, that process? I hate to admit that part. Uh, it took me too long um, because it was, I mentioned it was 43 years ago when I first met the Lord, and it was probably uh, another 15 years before I started, be started behaving properly in terms of actually working on that. And it took years before I could fix it. I realized that I had to get financially fit, financially healthy, before I could start actually doing well. When we're sick, sometimes when we're sick or when we're ailing, it's difficult to move forward and do a whole lot that's constructive because of that. It gets in the way. So there's, there's a verse, um, Proverbs 22, 7, that says, the rich will over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. I mean, do you, how do you feel like this plays out in our lives? How do you feel like this is true? When we make a commitment, when we pled, literally when we're taking new debt on, a new credit card or a charge card or whatever it happens to be, when we're taking on debt, we are committing our future income to paying that off. So we are literally giving away our future income until that's paid off. And we're pledging an oath. And the Word of God says that if we don't fulfill the oath and the pledges that we make, we're worse than an infidel. That's not a good place to be either. So for me, it made a huge difference when I started understanding what God intended. God wants me to honor my word. He will honor His every time. And His word to me and his promises to me are based on my actions. So you would agree then that habits follow the heart? Absolutely. That our heart, our heart determines, it, it's evidence 
what we do and our behavior is evidence of what's on our heart. And this is interesting, right? Because Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Right? So, so the heart is, is that starting point for our thoughts, for our words, for our actions. And, and what's interesting is your thoughts, positive or negative, good or bad, right, um, control your attitudes. And your attitudes are the sum total of your thoughts. And so our attitudes help lead us to actions. And, and there's a saying that says, sow a thought, reap a deed. Sow a deed, reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. In other words, that before you can think, or before you do something, you have to think something. Right? That the thoughts lead to actions, and those come from the desires, the, the passions of our heart, the the cravings that we have, what it is that we've decided we're going, the course that we've decided we're going to go ahead and commit to. And then that comes out of us. And this is kind of such a fundamental thing because when we look at Scripture, we find out that, that at one point God destroyed an entire civilization because they had a heart problem. When we look at, at Genesis 6-5, look, look at this with me. They're going to put it on the screen. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And that every imagination of the hearts of his of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually before God. And God was so distraught by the misdirection, the the pursuits of our passions, that he was willing to wipe the slate clean and start again. Right? And fortunately, there was one man there to help kind of redirect that narrative. But the crazy thing is is even with that in mind, right, the heart of man is still the heart of man. Like how many of you guys would say that, man, we see some pretty wicked things happen in the world. People just kind of, they, they exercise some of that. And, and we have to deal with the heart when it comes to the habits of our life. And, and debt is just another chain of what we've desired, what we want, what we're pursuing. It's a reflection of that. And, and practically speaking today, right, the, the most spiritual thing that we can do is surrendering our hearts to God and asking God, God, redirect my heart, redirect my, my thoughts, redirect my, my intentions, help make us aware of those issues. We're either on a pathway to slavery or, or a pathway to, to freedom. I mean, would you agree that Christ has come to set us free, Dave? Like, how do you think that plays out for in our finances? Well, in our case, we were always going farther behind as time went on, and it's very difficult to manage when you are struggling to just meet the bills every time you get, and the, the mindset was always, you get a little raise, well, we can spend a little more. It was never saving for us. We lived exactly like you were explaining up there. We lived it. If we had a little bit to save, we could. Um, to give you an idea, when we moved back to San Antonio in 1986, we were giving, I was making really good money and giving them five bucks a week. Uh, away to all sources, to everybody, to the church and everybody, $5 a week. And God did a major work in our lives to change us. Um, essentially, it just made a huge difference in our lives when he got a hold of us. When we let him have his way, made it all the difference in the world. And he's blessed us beyond compare. Awesome. Dave, do you mind closing us out in prayer before we just get to some practical steps here? Sure. Let's pray. Father, we come before you grateful for all you've given us. Um, 
we come before you for the, the word of truth that you have provided for us today. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just fill our hearts with your word and with your spirit so that we feel it moving more than ever before. This is an area that keeps us in more bondage than perhaps anything else, that bondage of debt, that bondage of irresponsibility, or dealing with the consequences of our own actions on a constant basis, but we do it over and over again. And Lord, we ask that you to break that chain, break it right now in the lives of every individual that's here. Use this, Lord Jesus, to touch other people as we go about in our communities and places where we work and live and play. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. May you change our hearts and then use us by everything we say and everything we do to minister to and touch others, just to be examples. We praise you, Lord Jesus, again, for the truth that's in your word. Use us, Lord Jesus. Use the resources. Help each one of us to reach out in the area that we have need. In Jesus' name, we pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. So, Dave, real quick, as we kind of wrap up today's service, if somebody has a debt problem, what is the next step that they can take? Next step would be to come see us. We, there's, you can go onto the website. You can find, we've developed a couple of sheets. One of them is, there's two issues that we try to deal with there. One of them is a, a spending worksheet. And what happens is people have a tendency to, to just what I call arbitrary spending. They go out and spend it. They have no clue how much they're going through. The first thing we've got to do is recognize how much we're actually spending. Uh, too many times people think they're spending a couple hundred dollars a month on dining out, for example, and when they get back and look at it, they're spending 1200 a month, for example. That has been a, a serious issue. So we've created those sheets so you can look at them and just mark down as you go. Just mark it down as you go so you can see what it is. And that's half the battle is recognizing what's going on. The second one is actually a a sheet that we've designed so you can write down what the actual debt is. Those areas we also, and it, it asks you for specific debts, mostly regarding credit card debt and obligations like that, unsecured debt, not mortgage, not car payments. That's not an issue we try to deal with. I do meet with anybody individually on all of that stuff. We don't do it in a group. We found from experience that people don't like getting together, together in a group and, and bearing all of that. Uh, openly like that, so I meet individually as people want. Uh, as often as we need to fix the problem, and as we mentioned, I've got more time on my hands than I used to, so we can do that. So that's what we do to address that, is those two worksheets primarily. There are other things we can talk about later, but those two primarily to address the debt and the chains of debt now. And your curriculum also goes through, it's, it's the habits, but it's also the heart. So if somebody today is recognizing, man, it's not necessarily a habit, problem. It's a heart problem. What can they do going forward to help change that? The main thing is we've got to start, we've got to start changing the behavior. And the biggest thing about changing that behavior is, I would say, getting a good visual, setting a goal. Uh, we want to draw some clarity to that. We want to quantify where we're headed. When you do that, when you see what, what happens when you see the light at the end of a tunnel? or you see light at all. Sometimes that light's a great distance away, but when you finally see light at the end of, end of the tunnel, does your heart kind of jump in your chest? It's kind of an exciting thing when you start seeing that, you're thinking, wow, maybe this can be real. Maybe this can really happen. That's what starts the change of the heart, is when, that's, when that type of experience occurs. But you've got to start doing some planning and start working. 
Don't make the same mistakes I did because I was too stubborn to go talk to somebody. I could always do it myself. A lot of guys are fixers, and I was one of them. I can always fix it myself. I don't always think it'll take 20 years, but sometimes it takes 20 years. I'd rather everybody get fixed a lot sooner than that. Awesome. Can we get it for Dave, guys? Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.